www.travel.co.uk. Welcome back to the Masterclass, the Man United Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Hader Rabani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett, as always. Manchester United, Rob, have beaten Norwich 3-2. Or should I say, Cristiano Ronaldo 3, Norwich 2. It felt like a carbon copy of the Spurs game, to be honest. Ronaldo doing what he does. Look, he, he stepped up and he delivered. And Man United find themselves only really three points behind Spurs. Arsenal seem to have fallen off and their form is very rocky at the moment. And they're, uh, you know, they're below us now. Both have a game in hand. But... Suddenly we're sitting here and United do have a chance for top four. I was saying two, three, four weeks ago, United don't have a chance at top four. But <laughs> for some reason, we're still here. And uh, look, Ronaldo delivered. Takes each game as it comes. But, you know, in a decent position considering what we've seen this season. Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one, isn't it? You're on the cusp of top four. But let's be honest. This Manchester United team should be in the top four already. It should be done. You know, when you go back and you look at the games, what they've thrown away points, I think Ralph said yesterday he can think of at least nine points that the team have openly given away, you know, just by not doing the basics. So good to get a result against Norwich. You have to remember this is the worst team in the division. They came to Old Trafford. They carved us open numerous times. And it's a weird one because you win the game. And I've said this, haven't I, Hayda? I'll repeat it every week. Performances don't matter now. They really don't matter. All that matters is you win. Yesterday, Man United got three points in a precarious situation. Why did you get three points? Because Cristiano Ronaldo can still finish. We know all this. Cristiano will always be a finisher. He'll be 50 Haydar somewhere and he'll be banging goals in the top corner. It's just that he won't be doing it in the Premier League, of course. But this is also part of the issues at Man United about team play and how things work. So we're going to go through all of that today and try and give you some answers to the questions. Absolutely. Guys, as always, give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Hayda underscore Rabani and give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you see this on Twitter as well, give it a retweet. We want as many people in the comments contributing and giving their views because we're going to be talking about today, we're going to do the game. We'll talk about Ronaldo, Tellers and Dallow because United have some serious issues at fullback and you compare that to the top teams, you know, United need to improve on there. We'll talk about Paul Pogba as well. Obviously, he's doing the rounds at the minute and we will do a forward-thinking little bit about Eric Ten Hag as well, who is pretty much on the cusp of joining Manchester United for next season. But Rob, let's start with the game. And uh, <clears throat> United played a 4-3-3, uh, a strange one, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we're having a chat off air. For me, as soon as I saw that midfield of Pogba, Lingard and Bruno, and then Pogba playing number six, I was like, May United may score quite a few goals here, but they're going to be so open. They're going to concede. And there's just a lack of balance. Not much Ralph could really do, to be honest, considering, you know, Matic wasn't there and, um, you know, Fred and McTominay were out as well. So all in all, looking at, at that team, are you surprised at how they performed? You know, United created a lot of chances and we'll see that a little bit later on, you know, 20 shots on goal. But, you know, Norwich were able to transition, you know, right through United's midfield, right to the defence. And uh, yeah, look, we won the game, but it wasn't a great performance. And it's the issues that we've seen, really can only get fixed in that transfer window where United have to sort their midfield out going forward. 
It was a poor performance. Let's not kind of rake over the coals too much. Um, it was one of those games, wasn't it, where in the first 20 minutes, United was so in control, so obviously more talented than the opposition. And it looked like it was going to be one of those Harlem Globetrotter days where United are kind of a little bit kind of showy, a little bit this, that or the other, kind of showing that, they, uh, that they're, they're, the, they're the best team on the football pitch. And then what do they do? They go and have a little kip, don't they? Let the opponents back in and we've got a game on again. And I wasn't surprised, Haydar. You know, I'm not surprised because I see it all the time. It's the same show over and over again. At one point, I did scream out at the top of my lungs, uh, something along the lines of, I'm sick of this, uh, sick of this uh, reality TV show or something like that, because it is so predictable. So at 2-0, May United's 2-0 up, we were all sat there chatting going, well, Norwich will clearly come back into this game because United will let them. What happened? It's exactly what happened. So then at 2-2, what happens? You have to bring the Don up, the icon, and he has to hit a free kick in from, you know, 40 yards in the top corner. Bang, you've won the game. Everyone's happy. But if we're honest and truthful about Manchester United and this football team, this is a bad football team from back to front. So you said they'd have played 4-3-3. At times... It was almost a little bit like a kind of 5-4-1. It was a, a kind of weird shape in the sense that Ronaldo was obviously left at the top end of the pitch on his own. But then we just had a load of people in midfield where Norwich were walking through. And then the back four, which was completely fragmented and the fullbacks were just... It, it, it's as bad as fullback performances I've seen from Manchester United fullbacks for a very, very long time. So, you know, out of all of those terrible performances, that tells you how bad that was. But I do think that we look at the shape with Ralph now, he hasn't got any choice. It's done. This season is done in terms of like trying to coach these players into shape and form. Counter-pressing, gone. Not going to happen. All the kind of any Gagan-pressing philosophy, gone. Because this lot are just not going to do it for whatever reason. And I think Ralph now, he just thinks, right, I'm just going to put them out there and tell them to go and do their thing. And that's kind of what we got, wasn't it? Ronaldo did his thing. But I think when you look at the other players on the football pitch, I think the only player that can hold his head up high on the whole match, bar Ronaldo, was probably Pogba. Pogba was picking the ball up deeper. He was one of the only players really kind of grafting in that role. I thought Lingard was poor. I thought uh, Bruno Fernandes, again, poor in a midfield role. Uh, Sancho started well, kind of... Uh, I think kind of just disappeared out of the game as time went. Well, on. Last last three or four games, Rob Sancho's definitely gone off the boil. Maybe he's maybe it's it, look. It's almost like you know, he's playing very well, but he's become a symptom as well of what's going on in the environment. I think he's struggling because he's come to this huge football club. Obviously, expectations are, are massive on his shoulders. But what are you supposed to do, Haydar, when you don't know what anyone else is doing? It's so tough, isn't it? So Alanga ended up the game at fullback, you know, and actually did quite well in the final moments. I think that's why you see here on a, the Who Scored uh, graphic, he got 8.2 overall. Obviously got an assist as well early on in the game. But it's just such a squashed, dysfunctional Manchester United team. And I don't think there's anything that the current coach can do about it. These players need to look at themselves. But we're just at that turning point now, aren't we? Where I so said we'll talk about Ten Hag at the end. But Ten Hag can't do anything with this lot. You've got to move a lot of this lot on and you've got to find ways to bring in new players. And I think that's the turning point right now. Like saying about the top four, I'm not even thinking about Hader. I'm not thinking about it like that. Because if we come eighth, 
I'll be all right about it. And if we come fourth, I'll be happy. But you don't win a trophy for fourth, do you? So, you know, we want to be in Champions League next year. Of course we do. But do this, does this team deserve it? Like, we're talking about... United struggling against Norwich. No, no, they don't home. deserve it. We've said this many times this season. They don't deserve it, but they might find their, that they sneak their way in. Their they way might in. just... They, I said this to you weeks ago. They might just sneak their way in because all the other teams around them still have problems as well. So Spurs are great one week and Spurs get beaten at home. So it's one of those things, isn't it, that United... If United can win all their remaining games, they will get fourth. But we know that that probably won't be the case. Absolutely. We'll just quickly touch on this graphic here. I actually want to go into two topics. We'll go into Ronaldo, but I, I do want to go into Maguire as well because you saw him on the right again. But you can see here, look, a very open game. There's 35 shots across both teams. Um, <clears throat> interesting, you know, obviously no counterattacks for United. As, as no surprise, really, that United did dominate possession. You know, but I thought Norwich came and made a really good go of it. They're, they passed the ball all around nicely, and that should never be happening. The team at the bottom of the league should never be coming to Old Trafford no. and being that comfortable. Um, you know, the first five minutes was was uh, pretty rocky for United. But look, you can see here some of the things United did well. They created goal-scoring opportunities. Um, you know, they're strong at their finishing. Ronaldo, Ronaldo did very well. I mean, you look at it, large quantities of possession. When you, but when you're thinking about it, you know, when the midfield is maybe that un imbalanced, uh, you know, they're not looking after the ball that well, you're, you're just leaving your defence with so many issues and they're just going to get counted on. And that's what happened, you know, when Norwich went to all. And, um, you know, I do want to talk about the goal... Um, you know, just before halftime, because obviously we've seen Maguire get a lot of stick for it and he did come across. The midfield do still have to track those runs as well. So I think it's not just Maguire. And we look, we criticize Maguire a lot. I'm not the biggest Maguire fan, but I'm seeing him get slaughtered. He obviously comes across. And then when he comes across, that space should be covered by whoever's in midfield. So whether that's Pogba, whether that's Bruno Ligard, whoever it is, they should have tracked that runner. And unfortunately, United gave a really poor goal away before halftime. And then we saw the other goal as well. We will talk about the fullbacks. But this is the issue, isn't it? That <laughs> the midfield is like not is non-existent most games and we can say what you want about the center backs and look the, the defense isn't good enough but consistently time after time they were just getting attacked on and attacked on and then we saw Maguire right right uh, center back as well which is interesting Ralph st stuck him there what do you think of the reasoning behind that because I'm trying to think you know is he better there or not to be honest I like him more on the left I think he progresses the ball better um but you know we thought maybe it was because Varane was injured you know or he's covering for Varane and Varane went on that left side left hand side this was a couple of games ago but we saw Lindelof play there as well so what do you think the tactical reason is behind that well look Ralph has said this quite openly in in several press conferences now over the last few weeks and that he believes that even though Maguire is much more of a natural left-sided centre-back that's where he's played his whole career that's what that's his preference that like most coaches he wants a right-footed centre-back on the right and a left-footed on the left. Now, I think that's the whole thing with Maguire is to try and find a role to give him confidence. Yeah, to so just get him back in, change it a little bit, tweak it a little bit, play on the opposite side and you're on your right-hand side and you can open up the play there with right-footed right passes into the right-back. None of these things, again, are like rocket science. It's like you're just doing very basic things. But Maguire wants to play on the left. That's his normal position. So I think that with the Norwich uh, goals, that that did come into it a little bit. That these play players are kind of programmed with how they play in their position on a football pitch. When they get their chin up, they kind of feel where they want to be rather than look. So it's not. It's, it's about where am I normally. So I think that's a problem. And I think the bigger problem is Man United's fullbacks in that moment about keeping the shape and where players need to be. For United on the ball. No real issues. When they're on the ball, they're okay. When they're off the ball, they are absolute space cadets. 
They haven't got a clue. So you can go dial that back to coaching. You can go all the way back to Oregon and Solskjaer and talk about those things, but it's pointless because he's gone. You can talk about Ralph, pointless, he's going. And you need to look, look going forward. And when Ten Hag gets to the football club, the players that remain are going to have to get a lot better off the ball. So you just mentioned it there, Hader, about the goal and going into that. You could see in Man United what they did for that first 20-minute spell and 30-minute spell was that when they had the ball, they they were okay. They were moving it around. But the pace, I thought, was lackadaisical. Again, it was just a kind of Sunday stroll. The sun was shining. It was a hot day. And it felt like that. You could see them knocking it about. But when they didn't have the ball, Haydar, it was frightening. You were watching them. The fullbacks were miles out of position. The back four was never in a straight line, ever. The, the, the centre-backs had kind of get, got pulled out and in. And then you had Pogba in the middle, literally having to cover it all. <laughs> and it's like, Paul Pogba's not very good at that job, is it? That's not what he's good at. And as I said, I do think Pogba actually had a decent game. I really do. I think he stepped out with the ball and he made tackles and he got the ball in good positions, got the, uh, you know retained possession when maybe in the past he might have lost it in the defensive role. Um, but this is the issue with United. That these players, you know, when they haven't got the ball at their feet, they are very much hate are like, not my job. Not my job to do this. That's your job. It's your side of the pitch. And the work rate just evaporates. So I see in the comments there, you can see, there's one of the comments said here, you can see why Fred and McTominay play every week. And it's true. We've done shows on it, haven't we? Because you need workers in your team. Now, they're not the solution. But, you know, you probably beat Norwich 3-1 yesterday with Fred and McTominay in your team. And you might be doing a different show today. So this is the issue of United. United need to bring in some players who can actually work off the ball. Yeah, work off the ball and have quality on the ball. That's the key. So we talk about Fred McTominay. Their issue is on the ball. And yeah, absolutely absolutely spot on. But we will... I mean, there's a question here, Rob, uh, from John. So I'm just going to bring it up because, um, you know, there will be four or five, most likely four or five signings. You know, we've discussed mm -hmm. this before that United will will spend heavily. You've seen these funny reports. Uh, I'm not going to name who the uh, journalist is, but uh, apparently United will have 20 million to spend in the summer. You know, rubbish like this. But, you know, there are players that are going to leave. There could be as much as, as many as 12 players leaving. So the question here is that what's your choices given the departures of Lingard and Pogba? Just maybe na name a couple of midfielders that you'd like to see come in um, who could provide that, you know, sort of energy in midfield. Um, you know, they have... It's, it's, it's also awareness, spatial awareness as well, isn't it, Robert? And awareness of where you have to be placed, you know, when you when we don't have the ball. And then obviously have quality on the ball to uh, to really hurt the bigger teams. I think when we talk about players leaving, and there may be one or two or three or four coming in, the players leaving are going to be fairly obvious because they're going to be out of contract. So I think with Matic not taking up his option, he's going. I think Paul Pogba, still at this moment of time, is probably going to walk, and I wouldn't blame him, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I think Lingard is going, you know, I, I saw Lingard start yesterday, obviously, and I was just like, why are we not starting Hannibal? I don't like yeah, to see that Hannibal does not starting make sense. that role. Yeah. So, no, but, no, but, 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 this is the contradiction that I am. Uh, I said in the go, I totally get why Ralph's doing it, because Ralph is not going to rely on a kid in that moment. He's thinking, I want a senior player. I want an international. As fans... We want to see the kids, don't we? We want to see Hannibal. We want to see uh, Garancho. We want to see McNeil come through because we look progressively, don't we? But I think in, in the moment, a manager doesn't always think that way. A manager thinks, who will give me the highest quality on the day that I can bank on? So I get why he picked Lingard in that moment. But those are players that are going. Who would I bring in? The first player I'd bring in straight away, more than anyone, is Declan Rice. Bring in Declan Rice, break the bank for him. Give him whatever he wants. And I've gone from being a year ago 
doing shows saying, I don't really rate Declan Rice, thinking that he's kind of a blown up version of Scott McTominay, someone who's a bit of a runner, a bit of a worker, but can do certain jobs and is a leader, yes, but, you know, he's a bit of more kind of hot and bluster to now being completely sold on him. Studied him really hard this year after the Euros, kind of really looked into his game, dug into his numbers, watched him a whole lot more. Well, biggest Stam. thing for me, he's a leader. United need leaders in this in this. He's team. a leader and United need, everyone who comes into the football club needs to have something about them in terms of leadership now because they've bought just a pack of players that don't lead. Even ones that pretend that they lead. You know, this is, so we're talking about like two or, two or three of our biggest players at the football club. Um, and, and they've kind of let United down on that. But yes, he is a leader. So that is an important marker. He's just going to do that role as a six and an eight really well. And he'll do it every week. And that's it. And do you know what, Enhado, you tick that box off. So like yesterday, you'd have had a Declan Rice in there. And Man United probably walked this game because you sort it out in front of the back four. So these dots need to be joined. You know, you need to have a back four that communicates with the midfield. You don't necessarily need a defensive midfielder. I've said this again for a year. You need someone that can either get the ball, penetrate forward, make passes, and then also have an, an engine to get forward and support. So Declan Rice is absolutely the best version of that. I've heard loads of people on Twitter say to me, uh, it's an English thing again. People, United fans want English players. The board want English players. No, Declan Rice is the best in class at it. It's just that you're going to have to pay a ton of money to get him. Well, the thing about Declan Rice, you know, sort of quickly is that I think people need to establish that he's a top, top player, but you can also say he's overpriced. You know, um, and, you know, 150 million or you whatever can. they're saying. You can. He's he's a world class player in my opinion, but he's also very overpriced. So that doesn't mean he's a bad player because he's got a very high price tag. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but like I say to fans all the time, would you rather have the player and the Glazers to pay the money, or would you not want the player and go, oh, well, that was a good bit of budgeting. So this is the point, isn't it? It's like, you know, the question is, who do you think we need? And I think the question, I think the answer to that question is Declan Rice. So there's other players that can do it. So there's been lots of talk about Calvin Phillips. And, you know, I think, again, just because the kind of players that they play for England, and they, they do have a connection. I think he's a very good player. He might be available for around the 45 to 50 million pound mark. He'd be more of a budget friendly option. Would not surprise me to see the Glazers go there. But I think if you need someone for the next 10 years, Hader, and this is what we're talking about now, we're not talking about immediate results. We're looking at a way to get forward, to be a better team and to have more heart, more guts, more skill, more control, beat teams more comfortably and not turn up against Norwich and give them a chance. You know, this is the problem that we knew yesterday that this lot will give them a chance and it cannot be like that at Manchester United. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, keep your questions coming. We'll try and answer them as we as we go along. Let's talk about Cristiano, though. And uh, look, he delivered, Rob. And he has delivered. Mm. He's got 15 league goals this season. I was actually quite surprised looking at Sellers away at, at, on 20, Son's on 17. And uh, Ronaldo, you know, he's got more than Harry Kane. He's got more than, uh, you know, um, for example, let's say Sterling, players like that. So, you know, he's, he's having, and more than Lukaku, he's having a, he's having a good season numbers-wise. I just want to cast back to what you did say when he joined. And you did say that he could go and score 30 goals this season in all competitions. He's also the first number seven that scored more than 20 goals uh, in the season since himself, mm-hmm. um, which shows that, you know, obviously, look, he's still he's still bringing those numbers in. But you did say he could score 30 goals. United could finish sixth. Um, yeah. But look, what I will actually say, uh, something that I did think about yesterday when I was watching the game was he looks better or looks more com- comfortable 
when there's less structure. Do you know what I'm trying to say? United, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when when you watched him under Oli, why was he scoring goals? Because I don't think it was as defined. The system wasn't as 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 strong. You know, there was there was a bit more freedom for him when he was playing in Ralph's four two two two. You know, there was obviously a lot more emphasis on his role in the team. And he was having to press. He was having to hold his position. He yeah. wasn't, you know, he wasn't allowed to go and float into areas, pick up the ball. And, you know, he saw his performances get worse. He was trying, he was pressing, he was doing his best, but his legs were going. And when he, when he got the ball, I mean, his touch was poor. He wasn't doing what he we, we know he can do. But now you've seen that, look, he's kind of been allowed to go out there. And a lot of the players were and do what you do and just play. And and he looks a better player. So, and, and that begs the question, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but, Ronaldo could easily fire United into the top four, but if they want to go and win the titles and want to win, want to win big trophies, they're going to need to bring a manager in, or a manager who is coming in with a very strong philosophy, who sticks to his principles, who's about the team and the collective rather than individuals. Ten Hag is going to be just as rigorous as Van Hal was, you know, in terms of his style of play. I, I, I still struggle to see Ronaldo's long-term suitability unless he's happy to sit on the bench and, you know, be rotated in and out. But there was an article, wasn't there, that, uh, and, and I'll let you touch on it as well, that, between now and the end of the season, if he scores a goal, he'll get 100 grand per goal. So, you know, is it 850k extra he'll get paid, which is just eye-watering. And we talk about, you know, United's mismanagement in terms of the wages they're giving. You know, it's, it's just crazy, isn't it? Well, it is. It's crazy. But it doesn't surprise me. Again, it's exactly what we know about this board. Um, with Cristiano, like I said, if he was in my pub team down the road, he'd score goals. That's what he is. He's a goal scorer. You know, give, the, give him the ball around the box. And he'll score you all sorts of goals. So look at the goals he scored yesterday. One was essentially a tap-in. One was a kind of classic Ronaldo header. And then he really kind of wound back the years to hit the ball from distance. Uh, you could say the goalkeeper should have saved it, but who cares? It goes in the net. You get a hat-trick. You've won the game. But all of the problems with having Ronaldo in the team were present still yesterday. They were. Is that if you do not have someone at the top end of the pitch that presses, that stops their midfield progressing. So when the ball was going from their centre backs and their full backs to their central midfielders, who were then walking past our midfield into Maguire, into Lindelof, through the channels, that starts at the top end of the pitch. We are a tactical show. That's why we highlight it. So everyone always thinks I hate Cristiano for that reason that you know it's constant isn't it it's a back and forth I call it the culture wars as you've read about it before it's how people would think that you're one side or the other and I'm neither you know I was happy when Cristiano scored yesterday I was in the ground I applauded him but Cristiano is part of the problem and still is and you can see when Norwich scoring those two goals it's not on him but it starts at the top end of the pitch and as I said that 4-3-3 effectively became a 4-5-1 off the ball because they were trying to clog the channels because they let's, let's break that down a little bit more Rob when you mean yeah. by top of the pitch because a lot of people I think are missing that point I agree with you because when you look at let's say City's or Liverpool's front three you know if they yeah. if one player in that front line doesn't go together as a unit or doesn't do their role it's so easy for teams to just go right through that press so let, let's talk about that a little bit more why you why you're saying that going forward, you know, if United will be playing 4-3-3 next year with Ten Hag, that they need all three players to be mobile and to be able to do that job. Well, you can, you've only got to look at comparisons, maybe. I think as well, it's a good way to comparison, as you said there, to like the big teams in the Premier League, but also a little bit to Ten Hag. So I think with um, when you look at what Ten Hag does, Ten Hag likes to kind of play a 4-3-3, but this year has reverted more to a 4-2-3-1. So United know all about 4-2-3-1, don't they? So Haller's been at the top of that. 
But what he's essentially done is made sure that those three with Haller are almost like a four. So they press together. So there's no mixing and matching. Do you know what I mean? It's your three and your one and you go together. United are not like that. United's three are miles away from Cristiano. And Cristiano does a lot of trotting. That's the truth. He did it yesterday because he's trying to he's trying to um, keep his reserves and keep his energy levels for those magic moments. So yesterday it worked. Which he makes sense, Rob. He's 37 years old. It of makes course. Sense. But you cannot score a hat-trick every week and save United. This is the problem. If he did do that and we were talking about him scoring 70 goals this year, we'd be like, well, it's all right. It worked. Well done, Man United. But it doesn't work, does it? Because we've seen it from game one all the way through. So I think that this is the problem structurally. So like you just said there about City, let's take them. For instance, they don't really play with a centre-forward or an out-and-out striker. They're talking about getting Haaland that would rectify that. But they like to play with the three that are visceral. So you have Foden at the top end. You have Jesus, who will come from a wide area into the centre. You have Mares sometimes that goes. You have, you have Grealish that can go central. You've got different players that can do it. But the whole point is, is that out of possession, you stay in shape. Yeah, you stop the opponent. Man United's shape is non-existence. And that, and that is a problem. And that starts from the centre-forward position. So I get, again, yesterday, a load of United fans would have celebrated Ronaldo's hat-trick. It was a great hat-trick, you know, in terms of football. You know, fantastic, as I said. You know, the head the header was my favourite one because it was just, that was kind of classic Ronaldo running on and, and out-jumping yeah, everyone like a salmon and heading it down. That was cra- classic Ronaldo. Um but also, unfortunately, what is classic Ronaldo these days is that he just cannot get through the workload. And he never has really been able to. He didn't do it at Real Madrid. You know, he didn't do it at Juventus. He didn't work in those systems very well. He just, because he was younger, he just won games but as a force of nature, didn't he? He'd, you know, I remember seeing him in the Bernabeu going to see him and he scored four goals in a game and he hardly touched the ball. And he scored four and it was like, but that's what he was back then. That was like 2018. So we're now where we are. And I do think that Man United have a crucial decision to make about him because I don't think Ten Hag will tolerate it. There's no way Ten Hag is going to say to any player, yep, you can stay at the top end of the pitch but not work in my system because he will need players that work in his acute system. It's going to be, Haydar, I think a 4-3-3, transition. We're going to see that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of like Ole shape to start the season, maybe even with deeper double pivots and all of that stuff that fans hate and they don't want to see it. But you've got to remember the new manager is going to have to build this from the ground up. He's going to have to see who works for him and who doesn't. Absolutely. Guys, lots of you in the comments. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. If you see this on Twitter as well, give it a retweet. and Get your comments in as well. We absolutely love the engagement. What I will say, though, Rob, is, you know, we, we talk about it. And we, obviously, when we look long term, we don't maybe we don't see the suitability of you know, Ronaldo week in, week out, but at least he's, at least he contributes. <laughs> at least he has contributed this season. There's a whole load of players in this starting lineup uh, for Man United. These big players who have not contributed. Maguire has been shocking. You know, Bruno has not hit the heights that we, we expect from him. I know he hasn't had penalties this year, but only nine goals. You know, he's the last two years he's been... Bruno was horrible yesterday. Yeah, like, he was I'm telling you, he was horrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, the amount of times he lost the ball in areas he shouldn't be losing it, passes going astray. This is the whole irony, isn't it, about one certain player being booed off and another player another player's not being booed or not having the irony of the fans because Bruno Fernandes was shocking yesterday. But let's be honest, when he plays deeper, he's pretty shocking most weeks. So when he's at the top end of the pitch and behind a striker or in a 4-2-3-1 or more advanced, I think Bruno's fine. I think he's a really good player, gets you stats, gets you goals, gets you, gets you assists. He had a really bad game yesterday. I see in the comments there, and I saw Haydar, you commented on, on Twitter about it. Why matter? 
Wamata came on was really good. I thought Wamata came on and steadied the game, actually started being... I said he plays actual football. And what I meant by that was that the ball goes on the deck, he plays a five-yard pass, he moves. He gets the ball again, he plays a five-yard pass, he moves. Many United players don't do that. They pass the ball and then go, I'm on holiday, it's the end of the season, it's sunny, and this is the problem. So I'd see there in the comments people bigging up Wamata, and I'd like to big him up as well because I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been a, he's, he's, you know, he's a, a historical player, he's won a World Cup, you know, he's done all sorts of things, did really well at Chelsea. Man United have misused him so badly over the years. And of course, he's now coming to the end of his career. And he will be one of those players that probably leaves the football club. Though would not be surprised. Yeah, if, if Ten Hag would want to keep him. Ten Hag goes, actually, you're the kind of number 10 I like, you know, because you play the short game and you play it really well. And yet there's other Man United players there who I think play every week who probably should sit on the bench a little bit more. Rob Ten Hag has shown as well that he does like, you know, if, if there's an experienced older player, maybe with lack of pace, with, I'm talking about Daley Blint here or someone like that. You know, he has shown that if they've got the footballing brain yeah. and the acumen and the ability Tadic, to pick up. You know, Tadic is getting on yeah. years. You know, Tadic is one of those players, again, who was effectively a midfielder, but has played up top, Lost scored nine, lots yeah. of goals for Ajax, but now is playing in a more reserved role because they've had Haller up there. So it shows that you need pieces that can move around Haydar and a matter is not the worst at that. Do you know what I mean? If you wanted to bring him in, he could be a player that sits off in the hole behind a striker and kind of joins those dots and midfielders can run on and beyond. And then you've actually got a, a striker that stays at the top end. That is what the Trekarista role is. We've talked about that before in shows. A Trekarista is someone who drops into the hole and joins it all up. You know, little passes, one-twos, and you can then cut through teams really easily. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um... What I do want to say as well is that Ronaldo Ronaldo will score goals. We'll, we'll move on to the fullbacks in a second. He will score goals. He will contribute. But uh, I think there's a good comment here. I, I, I was having a chat with someone the other day, Rob, and it was a good question. You know, why are we not seeing... We're looking at Karim Benzema absolutely tear it up at Real Madrid. Great mm -hmm. player. I, I was so glad we missed out on him all those years ago. And you do wonder where United would be. He wouldn't be the same player, to be honest, if he was still at United. But... Great player. Looking at Lewandowski, obviously older, older striker. These older strikers are still scoring goals. You're not seeing mm. many quality number nines come through. And yeah. a question was asked to me, you know, why don't we see 20 plus strikers, um, you know, more often? There's a good comment here from Cheshire saying, you know, we don't need a striker who can lead. We, we need a striker who can lead the line. He doesn't think Nunez is it. I'm actually doing a Nunez uh, show tomorrow and that'll be out later this week. Uh, so make sure you check that out, guys. Um, you know, he wouldn't actually mind Tony, someone that can link up, who's strong, can score goals, hold the ball up. We don't uh, have to have a thirty goal um, a season, a thirty goal a season striker. I think it's a very good point. And so, someone was asking me, you know, why don't we see that anymore? I, I think purely because there's less emphasis on the number nine being the only one that scores goals. It has to be spread across the team. And mm -hmm. I think this is what United need now. They need those two wide men to be scoring ten to fifteen in the league, like Liverpool are. Like obviously, you see with Spurs with Son, City are the same. They don't have a recognised number nine. You've got Mares scoring goals, Foden. You've got. You've got Sterling. The you know, goals are spread across the team. And I think that's what it is now. There's less emphasis. And we don't have strike partnerships as much anymore. We don't see the two up top. And I do think that that there's less emphasis on that, you know, traditional number nine and more on the Jotas of the world, the Fodens, someone that, you know, that front line is is interchangeable. It's flexible. It, you know, has players that can rotate in, into each position. I think that's where football is going. And, yeah. uh, you know, Ronaldo does actually look all right when he gets pushed, when he comes on to the left hand side picks the ball up i think he's actually comfortable rotating positions but there's too much emphasis on ronaldo to score all the goals 
because yeah. the others aren't contributing. Rashford hasn't contributed. Sancho's been up and down, obviously, first season. Alanga's been been good, actually. And uh, I think he, he enjoys playing Ronaldo and vice versa. You know, he, he works hard. Uh, but United, we have a real lack of goals across the team. You know, and when, if Bruno Fernandes isn't scoring or Ronaldo's not scoring, where are the goals coming from? And I think that's the problem this year. Well, the truth is, is that if you move Ronaldo out next season, there is always that point, that chance. I think there's probably more chance he will stay because he wants to. He's under contract, um, so he'll see out his year. But if you if you take that twenty five million pound off the wage bill, you can go and get Nunes and Tony. You don't have to stop. You know, you just have to make the numbers work. So I think there you just said there about how how the game has progressed. And again, we have done shows of this earlier in the season. And that is that forwards are no longer centre-forwards. They're no longer strikers. They have to be able to move around the box. They have to be able to run the channel. They have to be able to pick locks. So that's the modern game. And that's how it's changed. And that has become a kind of real point of uh, contention for some football fans. Because lots of football fans still want to see number nines on their back scoring 20-plus goals a season. But coaches and football clubs don't look at the, the world and the game like that anymore. You'll get a freak of nature like a Haaland, who is just a freak, who is going to score goals in any scenario. But he might also hurt you in terms of your press or your counter press. So that's something that a team who might be buying Haaland would have to consider. But when you look at what Man United's needs are, we have so many needs now. This is the problem. So it's not Ronaldo's not a problem per se, but... It is a problem that Cavani is giving you nothing this year. It is a problem that Marcus Rashford has fallen off the cliff. It is a problem that Anthony Martial has really dropped down the pecking order. You know, it is a problem, obviously, everything that happened with Mason Greenwood off the pitch, that's something that you cannot impact on it. So all of those holes at Man United's attack need to be filled and addressed. But that's not a bad thing, is it? You've got a new manager coming in. He can now pick through this, pick through the debris of it and try and find a new way. What what I guarantee you will see under Ten Hag is that you won't see what we've seen this year. You're not going to see it. He's not going to tolerate it and say, well, you're a superstar. You're a superstar. I've had this forced on me. We are fully aware already of what Ten Hag has asked the Man United board for. And that is complete, implicit, no question control. He's asked for that. Man United are going to give him that. So he's going to come to the football club with that as his agenda, his proviso. So I'm happy with that. I look forward, Haydar, to seeing it on a football pitch. And we can actually say, look, this was the problem here at Man United the last year or two. And now we have a manager that's working through those problems. Absolutely. Look, I think, uh, you know, when you hear these reports and that, and that United can do that, uh, you know, can, can give Ten Hag that, I think that's a positive. Um, we will talk yeah. about... Um, and I love oh, Darwin Nunes. I love Darwin. I think yeah. Darwin Nunes fits what you want to do because he is a worker, a fighter. He's not the most technical, but he will do stuff for you that you just do not have in your team. And he gives you a little bit of bite. And boy, the boy can score. Like you know, people say that, you know, about what you want a striker to do to put the ball in the net. He has got that modern striker edge where he can work in different positions, but he can also put the ball in the back of the net. Absolutely. We'll talk about Pogba in just a moment because I know a lot of people want to talk about him. Kieran agrees with you, Rob, about Darwin Nunes. Yeah, he, he looks he looks good. I have a couple of doubts about him, but I'm looking forward to recording that show tomorrow with um, Aaron from Prashima Janada because um, it'll be interesting to see what he says because he watches him week in, week out. From what I've seen, mm -hmm. he can put the ball in the net. I think he's raw, but he's got those, uh, he's got some good sort of, um, I think he's got some good assets to his game, which can definitely yeah. be developed on. I think 
one of my concerns a little bit at the moment is possession wise. That's what we'll be doing under Ten Hag. And I do have slight concerns, you know, how long it would take him to to get to a certain level where he's he's providing, you know, as much on the ball as because I think he's I think he looks really good when he's allowed to run into that channel and and when he has an opportunity to score goals. But with the ball at his feet, he's I don't think he's the best at the minute. But he is very young, so he can still be developed. He's technically as good as Haller. And Haller works fine for Ten Hag. So I think he's actually better than Haller long-term. I think when you look at, at 22, what he is already, Man United, by the time he's 23, 24, 25, I think he's Premier League ready. I think he's that kind of striker that will come in, do a lot of the battling work. But as you said there, he's, he doesn't join the dots. He's not one of those strikers. But like I said, if you have a Trekkerista that does that or someone who's a number 10 in a 4-2-3-1, you negate a lot of that, Haydar. Of course, Man United can't do that at the moment because, as I said, the three and the one, Ronaldo up here, are so far apart. So I, I like Darwin Nunes. I think that, again, he's someone you could go and get for 50-odd million and he might solve your problem instantaneously at, up the top end of the pitch. That's not a lot of money, is it, to spend in the modern game to solve a big position that you're having problems with. Absolutely. And let's move on now to, we'll do Telez and Dallo together, Rob. So I just want, yep. I'm just going to bring, obviously, Telez 6.76 on who scored, Dallo 6.95. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me, like I don't want to drill into the numbers, but look, Telez, Telez frustrates me. He just does not overlap. He's not progressive. Look, he got, he's, good, he's got a good cross in him, to be honest with you. Um, no, he can't. He can, you know, he set up the goal, for example, from the corner. He can do that. But he just doesn't know what to do on the back foot. And he doesn't know what to do on the front foot. And I think it's hindering Jaden Sancho, to be honest with you. Obviously, Luke Shaw's had his injury problems this season. Um, we have probably <laughs> some of the, the poorest fullbacks, I think, out of the top six. You could even say some of the, the teams lower down have got better fullbacks than us. In the modern game, we say this every single time, people have a go at Trent saying that he's not great on the back foot. He does so much on the front foot. I mean, you know, nearly everything goes through him creatively-wise at Liverpool. You look at Jao Cancelo. You look at, you know, obviously the Chelsea fullbacks, Reese James. Manchester United need to upgrade in this position because in the modern game, these fullbacks are going to be providing the width, attack, creativity. They have to be able to defend as well. I think our wide players struggle because there's a lack of, uh, you know, I think there's a lack of chemistry with these with these fullbacks. But ultimately, at the end of the day, and there's a good question here, like, from Kieran, you know, asking about, you know, a centre-back coming in as well. Paul Torres has been spoken about a lot. Fantastic player. I also do think that when you're looking at inside and you're seeing the centre-backs aren't performing at a high enough level as well, I do think that also hinders the full-backs. I think the back line as a whole, I think United could see two or three players coming in and, and, and it could be a completely different back line going forward for uh, uh, Ten Hag. Yeah, what was really interesting about the the shape yesterday, or non-shape as I was calling it earlier in the show, is that the fullbacks were definitely given license to go forward. So they were they were given license to kind of come out of position. So it wasn't a flat back forward, it never is under Ralph Ranick, um, and kind of support the players in front of them. So obviously on the right hand side there, you kind of had a Langer joining the dots there uh, with Delow supposedly having to do that. The issue with these two is that these two would not start at Wolves. If they played for Wolves, they would be on the bench. They're that bad. They're not good enough for Man United. So I think that the start of the season, when we talked a lot about Luke Shaw, we talked a lot about Aaron Wambasaka. We've done full shows on Aaron, you know, countless times last season about the things that he's not so good at. It was always about give these guys a go, wasn't it? That's kind of what we what the general consensus was. Well, these guys have been given a go. And they need to leave the football club. They're not good enough. They're not good enough for you. If you want to win, if you want to be top four comfortably, but also challenge for a title, these boys ain't doing it. So like you just said there about the stats, hardly worth digging into their stats because the eye test 
says everything about them. So Tellers off the ball is a complete comedian. Yeah, he doesn't run. He doesn't run his position properly. There's obviously the one goal that it showed there where he's kind of jogging back. He's out of position. He's in a channel. He's not holding his line at all. And he's just got to sprint back to get back into position. And he doesn't. And the ball comes across and they score. So this is the whole problem is that players have to take responsibility for their own game. Yeah. And these two are, are two of the biggest culprits in current day Man United for not doing their jobs. Yes, they can do stuff going forward. Teller's got a, an assist yesterday. Really nice corner. We know he can do those things. But Haydar, these boys have to do it out of possession. And the problem is that as a fullback, it's all about work rate, isn't it? Get forward, take the deep breath, get back. Get in position, get the ball, go forward. And it's always doing that backwards and forwards. These two don't do it. They are not suitable for the Premier League. And I think that's the biggest kind of moniker you can put on both of them. I think they do really well in one of the, the smaller leagues in Europe. Uh, go to the continent and they'll be they'll be fine. You can see why Tellers was so good in the Portuguese league. Is he good enough to play in the Premier League? Absolutely not. I don't want to bring up a good question here from Rambit. Or more of a comment you're saying. He doesn't trust the goalkeeper and centre-backs to hold yeah. the ball and navigate to a possession-based team. How do you believe Ten Hag coaches aspect seems impossible? Uh, I think he means without transfers. Something I do want to actually pick up. That is impossible without transfers. Yeah, it is. That is impossible without transfers. I just don't think that Ten Hag's going to be able to, you know, he's not a magician. No. David De Gea is never going to become a ball-playing goalkeeper. And I think he's actually starting to become a bit of an issue. I don't think United should be giving him a new contract. Because, look, if you're going to say to Ten Hag, uh, it's it's been widely said that the goalkeeper is so important for him. Anana is really important for him. Obviously, he's going into, I know he's been dropped for the final. I believe he's been dropped for the final for today. They've got against, uh, I believe, I think it's final. But uh, he said many, many times, I need my goalkeeper to be a ball playing, a ball playing goalkeeper because that's yeah. where I start my attacks. That's how I start. Obviously, daily is very important for him as well. When I look at my United centre-backs, it's not, you know, for example, Lindelof's good on the ball. Maguire's good at progressing. I think when he's under pressure, he's 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 very calamitous and he's slow. His lack of mobility is a problem for me. Um, when, I, when I'm having a look at it, though, I, I actually saw, I don't know if you saw this as well. Look, you're there at the ground, but there's definitely a bit of a disconnect between De Gea and Maguire. Like, I don't know whether, whether there's something going on behind the scenes, throwing their arms out of each other. You know, I, I definitely just think there's something going on there. As a new as a new manager coming in, I think you've got to break up that that triumvirate of whoever's playing goalkeeper and the two centre-backs. Varane's are concerned with his injuries. And I'm actually thinking about Pau Torres. I wanted him actually last season. Obviously, we got Varane. I was very happy with Varane. Um, but when I'm looking at it, Pau Torres fits the mould. Man United need more quality in that position. And to be honest with you, what, what do you think is going to happen? Because Henderson obviously is said to be leaving. But if you're thinking about the ball-playing part of uh, what Ten Hag expects from his goalkeepers... Henderson probably fits that better, even though I'm not a big Henderson fan. I don't think he's a solution either. Well, two things to say about all of that. One, yes, I would love Pau Torres. I think Pau Torres takes you upper level, in possession, out of possession, like immediately. So go and buy Pau Torres. That's one. Two, the problem that you have with De Gea is exactly the same problem you have with Ronaldo. It's exactly the same thing. Ronaldo scores you lots of goals, but Ronaldo makes your team worse at that end of the pitch. On the other end, De Gea saves you week after week after week after week. He did it yesterday against Norwich. You made two, two or three really good saves, but you can't progress the ball from the back. 
So that's a problem, isn't it? So you have to, as a coach, look at these things and say, where is the benefit here? What do I do? You know, do I lose something to gain something? So yes, you've got a goalkeeper to make lots of saves. I love David De Gea. I think he's been Man United's best goalkeeper I've ever seen. I've put that on record before. Better than Peter Schmeichel. I think that De Gea, in terms of his saves... Better than Van Are you talking about just but, saves? Like, of, all, of my lifetime... I think David De Gea is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen play for Man United. I've never seen a goalkeeper make the kind of saves week in, week out that he does and has done over years. Schmeichel was a great goalkeeper. Let's like, it's a debate for a different day. But Schmeichel had big flaws in his game. He really did. But, you know, he was a hero, wasn't he? He was a leader. You know, that's kind of part of his his image. But De Gea, for me, technically, some of the goalkeeping, some of the stuff that he's done and the... Well, Rob, are we talking about, are we talking about shot stopping? Because that's, I, I've, I've never heard you say that. Like, I was dead. I've said it before on many shows. I've yeah. said it many times. Yeah, no, in your general, as a goalkeeper, I've always used to say before the, say, last two, three or four years, I want my goalkeeper to save the ball. That's what I want them to do. Yeah, I'm not that bothered about them with their feet and the technicality, but that's changed, Taylor, because you you now need someone who's a sweeper keeper. Every team needs one. Every attack starts from your goalkeeper now, whereas 10 years ago, it started from the centre-back. So you see there's that difference there now. Before it wasn't the goalkeeper, you could be David De Gea and just make all the saves and look good for that. But now you can't do that. So even yesterday, there was two or three incidents where the ball went back to De Gea. And you see he kind of just panics. Now, I think De Gea is actually better on the ball than he's given credit. But it's the first pass, Haydar. And that's what's important. Yeah, so when he problem. gets the ball, when he gets the ball, if he plays that to Lindelof there or Maguire there, and it's a kind of what I would call a 10-yard ball behind the defender, so the defender can't turn on it, that's a bad pass. Yeah. And what you see De Gea forced to do quite often is he gets the ball and he does it. He practices it before games. So anyone who goes to games will see this. He does this kind of lob to the halfway line to where the fullback would be pushed if they were pushed right up. And he practices that a lot. But that doesn't work in the modern game anymore because the high press just negates that. You can't play that ball. So De Gea can do that ball. It's just a ball you can't play. So what do you do? You need a goalkeeper who's better on the deck. Someone who can take one or two touches, look and play a slicing pass into feet into the midfield, bypass your centre-backs if you have to, and find a way to get from A to B a lot quicker. That's what Man City do. That's what Liverpool do. Liverpool, you don't see the Allison give the ball, a five-yard ball to the, to Van Dijk, do you? It doesn't happen. They don't do that. They don't play out that deep. They play out more progressively. The ball goes in to Fabinho. The ball will go in to Thiago. The ball will go into a midfielder, Henderson. United don't do that, do you? You don't ever see De Gea really play the ball into Bruno or play the ball into Pogba. Rare, isn't it? It goes to one of those centre-backs who are slow, cumbersome, and then panic. So I think as a coach, that would be the first thing. If I'm Ten Hag, I'm looking at, I'm going in saying, I need a goalkeeper that pays the correct ball into the correct player. Now, if he can coach that into De Gea, great. Will he be able to do it? I'm not so sure. Well, Rob, then the comment here from Kieran, then, then you have to keep Henderson. Or do you get rid well, of both of them? I, 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 no, no, I, I think you get rid of both. I don't think Henderson is that much better on the deck. I don't think he's that than, that. Than, yeah, I don't. He's not he's, elite on the deck. No, he's, he's better not. than De Gea. He's not elite. So can he play that ball that I've just said there into the midfield? So bypassing everything into a midfielder that drops deep. Now, you've got to remember, Man United don't replay really with a defensive midfielder, do they? It's not a thing at Man United to play with a double pivot over time. So it's a bit different in terms of shape, what I'm talking about. But if you had that shape, can Henderson do that? possibly 
But I don't think he's going to hang around with for the new manager to see it and sit on the bench for another year. Because I think that's where he would be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's one of those things we don't know. Like um, we know that Henderson has been massively scouted by teams in Europe over a long period of time. And it might Ajax just be one of them, Rob. Might just be the case, because Ajax did scout him and did like him, that Ten Hag goes, actually, from day one, you're my number one. And David, we're not giving you that new contract. I'm sorry. So that that could happen. But I do think you need to go and find your Allison. So Allison was at Roma. Everyone went, 70 odd million for Roma's goalkeeper. Yes, it worked. You know, they went and got Edison at Man City. People were like, why, why are you bringing him in at this point? Well, you saw why they brought him in. It was obvious once you saw it. So I think for Man United, it would be a similar thing. If you brought a sweeper keeper in that revolutionised that back line and that the passing from A to B was good and not these kind of 10-yard little passes to the side of the box that hurt you because then the press can kill you. If you get past that, Haydar, you can see very quickly about how a goalkeeper can really push your team on. He might not be De Gea. He might not be able to get the ball in the top corner and make that world-class save that we all swoon over. But he might make you better by getting the ball out from A to B a lot quicker. Absolutely. And there's a comment here saying, get Sanchez from Brighton. I really like I like Robert Sanchez. I think Sanchez, he, uh, uh, Wolves, no, there's a ton of them. Yeah. There's a ton of these sweeper keepers that are no longer six foot five, like goalkeepers used to be, that are more kind yeah. of like six foot one, six foot two. And you've lost two or three or four inches on them, but it doesn't matter because that's not what they're there for. They're there to put the ball on the deck. So I would, you know, out of that lot, I think Sanchez is really good. Again, I've watched a lot of Brighton for work and done a lot of work around the football club. But I do like Saar as well. I think you look at someone like him who's, come into Wolves and help them go up another notch without Wolves changing a lot around, if you know what I mean. Wolves have managed to be a better unit from the back. And they lost a really good goalkeeper, didn't they? When they lost Pat Patricio, people were like, it's going to be tough to replace him. Well, they replaced him really easily. Yeah, absolutely. Right, guys, we are now going to talk about Paul Pogba, probably the, the most divisive player I can remember in the Premier League during, during my lifetime, Rob, I'm, I'm being serious. I've just me too. I, I think what I've what I've never seen before is I've never seen a set of fans dislike a, their one of their own players so much as well, and and for reasons which I just find a little bit um, how how do I put it I, I uncomfortable extreme. uncomfortable yeah, and I think sometimes you have to dig deeper into the question and and you know a lot of people won't like this conversation. A lot of people are, are not going to agree with it. and That's absolutely fine. I can see both sides to it. I can see. You know, when he hasn't wanted to be here and I can see like how that riles fans up and frustrates fans, they want to see more commitment. I can also see how some people don't think he's lived up to his price tag. Uh, he said himself that, you know, he's been moved from position to position to position. He plays as a number six uh, yesterday and he said many times, <laughs> tackling isn't one of my strong points. He, he's been very, very you know, sort of forward about his weaknesses mm -hmm. in that area. He does lose the ball in a deep position. He likes to play further forward. What I'm... What I uh, what sort of frustrates me, Rob, and what I find hypocritical is that uh, you know we get told to back the players, support the players, back the manager unconditionally. We support the team, and yet you're booing your own player, and then you're telling him to f off at the end of the game, and then you get annoyed when he does this. You're you're booing him off the pitch, like that. You know, I just don't understand. Cavani refuses to play. He his name is sung around Old Trafford. Lately, it hasn't been. Harry Maguire gets booed, and then you see everyone the fanfare from the media. Oh, Harry Maguire, let's all clap him in the next game because he got booed at England. Paul Pogba has received more boos than I've ever seen any play player ever receive in the Premier League. And the reasons for it, he doesn't go out, he doesn't go out and and do I'm just gonna say it, Rob. He's not an awful character. You know, you've seen people like you've seen 
fans revere people like I'm going I'm to say people like Gaza, for example, or you know, because he's one of the lads and he likes to go and do what mm. he does. Paul Pogba doesn't do that. He doesn't, uh, in my opinion, you know, represent the club badly. I think at times he said some poor things uh, when an international break, but he doesn't go and you know make a bad name at Man United. And ultimately, he's a family man. He enjoys dancing. He might have colorful haircuts. But ultimately, at the end of the day, none of that is uh, should be a reason why he's booed by his own fans and told to F off and get out of the club. Well, first and foremost, I don't think you should boo any player because a supporter means to support. Now, have an opinion, moan and groan about it, say what you like about football matters. No problem. I think we see this in American sports. Here I am wearing a, a Boston Red Sox top here. That in American sports, booing is a normal thing. It's just a normal thing. Like, don't like something, you boo. When you like it, you cheer. But we do have this kind of unwritten law thing in British football and English football that you should really stick with your team no matter what. So let's talk about Paul Pogba in case and about him. Paul Pogba, yes, is a superstar. He is a huge figure away from football as well, you know, a huge commercial figure for the football club and for himself and his brand. And of course, a huge player for his agent. Football fans have kind of, from day one, Paul Pogba coming to the football club, had a huge expectation for him. And so they should. One of the biggest signings of all time for us at that point. And a boy coming home, you know, a Man United youth product, someone that didn't work under Fergie for obvious reasons, and he comes back. The story of Paul Pogba, and unfortunately this is the way it's going to be, is that he was sold a lie when he came back to Man United, first and foremost. The club said they were going to do this, 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 and this to help him be part of a huge winning culture at Man United. It didn't happen. Now, should Paul Pogba take responsibility for his own performances? Absolutely, 100%. So that's why I'm saying if you want to criticise the boy for his performances, do it. Be, be explicit about it. Paul Pogba, besides Ronaldo yesterday, was our best player on the football pitch. Now, I've had some people tweet me going, oh, I don't know what game you're watching. Well, I'm only watching the one that I'm there at. Like, he's literally 10 feet in front of me. I'm not a fanboy. I don't like footballers in general, Haydar. I really don't. I think. Tell, tell, the, tell the listeners what you said to me a couple of weeks ago, because, you know, we were talking about the Robbo movie, weren't you? And what yeah, did you no, say? I've, there was two players ever that you've yeah, liked. I've, I've, I've been a Man United supporter my whole life since I was like, you know, five, six, seven years old. And there's only two players that have ever really got me in here, like properly, like grabbed my heart and held me forever. Brian Robson, Eric Cantor, the only two. I literally couldn't care less about any of the rest of them. They play for our club. It's the club that I love. Yeah, it's not the players. It's about the players doing their jobs. So I always take that into every game. So I watched Paul Pogba yesterday. He was an 8 out of 10 by who scored. We showed that at the start of the show. And he was an 8 out of 10. He did well. He worked hard. He tracked at times. He's not great at that. He's not very good at defensive work. But on the deck, he was certainly one of our better players. He was miles ahead yesterday of both Sancho and Bruno. Miles, you know, in terms of quality on the ball. But he got booed off the pitch. So, yes, there is this thing that he got booed off the pitch because he's out of contract. He might be about to leave. He won't be the only Man United player that will ever happen to. But Paul Pogba has had an, a scorn and a level of hatred fired in his direction since day one. So what we saw yesterday is not new. And there's a vitriol, Haydar, that goes with it. And that's the uncomfortable bit. So 
people can decide why they think it is. And this is, I've always said this, I've done shows again about Paul Pogba numerous times. I've had debates with pundits and all sorts of people who have kind of tried to defend their position about him. And we all know the kind of joke around Graham Souness's opinion about Paul Pogba. And we can all laugh about that or, or kind of, you know, you know, have a, a bent smile one way of it. It's kind of saying, well, you know, we kind of, we think we know what that is. But it doesn't really matter, does it? What matters? So Paul Pogba played well yesterday. Why are you booing him? So I don't look at Paul Pogba as anything. I'm not a fanboy of his at all. But I do think that if you're going to replace him, then make sure you do it properly. So that's what I worry about. If I'm Paul Pogba hater, if I'm Paul Pogba hater, I am leaving this football club yeah. because I was sold a load of trash. I really was. And then I'm walking off the pitch. And I'm getting told one thing. I'm getting told to F off Pogba. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm cupping my ear as well. That's what I did. And when I saw him do that, we all laughed and went, yeah, good on you. Why, why should he take it? Why should he take that from fans? Yes, put your scorn at the Glazers. Put your scorn at the football club who have let you down, football fans. But picking on individuals just kind of sucks, doesn't it? But this is this is a point, and this was my question. I think Kieran's Kieran's taken the sort of the words out of my mouth, but he's saying here, you know, I wonder why yesterday it happened, and, and Paul Popper had a good game. I don't think he had a world class game, but people just can't. So when when Paul Popper plays well, um, it's well, what do you expect? He costs ninety million. You should expect that exactly. from your best players. When he does badly, he's the first person to get scapegoated and attack. You know, and so you know, he says he says here, you know, I wonder why it happened yesterday. It wouldn't happen to wouldn't happen to be because a particular section of the fan base that loved to be at protests, would it? This and is, it that did, was my question to you. Was, you were there yeah. at the ground. Mm. Like, I, I, look, I was watching on TV, so you know, I I don't we don't get the feel, you know, uh, the ones that aren't there. But it did feel like very toxic atmosphere. Obviously, that there, there was a lot of chance that uh, you know players aren't fit to wear the shirt. And I think a lot of players aren't. Um, but it just seemed like the, it didn't seem. It felt hostile, Rob. And Pogba obviously is someone who divides the the fan base. Why yesterday of all all games when he actually had a good game? You know, he was one of the better players. Bruno Fernandez was shocking, but he doesn't get booed. You know, if we're doing it based on performances, then you know maybe Bruno should have been booed. I would never boo a player. I just they're your own players. But at the end of the day, there's something so much more deeper here that I think if you bring it up, you get told race card, and I think that's a big problem as well. And I'm just wondering, you know, is What's happening at Pogba, you know, maybe like a representation of sometimes what happens in society as well. Is there a larger thing at play here? And I don't want to make this, you know, a political podcast or anything, but I think it's important to have these discussions because, you know, the club rallied around Maguire, Joe saying here, you know, when Maguire got booed, we saw posts on social media. There's been nothing from my United social media page regarding this, you know, and I think that's very telling as well. Yeah, and, and I do think that it's, it's important to add some context. It was a very small part of the ground that booed him. Yeah, it was the corner of the Stretford end who were there to protest against the Glazers and were there obviously a part of the 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 masses who were outside. It was 2,000 people that did the march, which was much bigger than people expected. People thought it'd be a smaller crowd than that. So there's no doubt that there is this irie amongst Manchester United fans towards the ownership and towards everything Manchester United at the moment. But you're right, there was a kind of a toxic feeling in the ground. I've never heard the stadium chant, you're not fit to wear the shirt to the team. Never, ever. That's the first time in 30 years that I've ever heard that. I've never heard, you know, I've heard boos and, and whistles and all sorts, but I've never heard that. And I think the Pogba part with him being substituted was just a soapbox 
for those fans who are disaffected, disenfranchised, to just throw some more weight at a player. Um, like you're you're saying now, I think a lot of the whole thing with Paul Pogba is that there is a stigma there. I do think race is part of the question. Uh, I know that people will say that yes, it wasn't about race, but I think in a, in a bigger context of Paul Pogba's overall treatment, that there's a strange feeling towards Paul Pogba that maybe other players don't get. So we can kind of park that one there because, again, I think it's up to individuals to make your decision. But I do think as well that yesterday, with the with the protest throughout the Glazers, is that, and I've said this a lot in the, in the last week, but previously, is that if you're saying Glazers out, what do you want? What do you want in? You've got to decide what you want in. And I don't hear enough of that from fans. So go on your marches, do your flares, do all of that stuff, make it public, Show that you're, you know, you're disenfranchised with the ownership, and we all understand why. We all feel that. But what do you want in? Because be careful what you wish for. I've said it many times. So the Glazers are going nowhere, first and foremost. So I think there kind of has to be a, a focus on what the team does next as well. Like you're going to get Ten Hag, you're going to get change and you're going to get this Glazer cycle, aren't you? We're back in the cycle again of players leaving, players coming. You'll get another Paul Pogba, you'll get another superstar and he'll sell your shirts. You'll get Ronaldo, he'll sell your shirts. You put it on the back of your thing there, you'll be happy for 10 minutes and you'll go to a game. But the problems are kind of, I think, a little bit wider, aren't they, in terms of the football team? We need to see more structure now. Um, I feel sorry for Paul. I think if I was him, I would leave the football club. No doubt about it. Go and live your life somewhere else. Go and be happy. He's just had his house burgled. He's just been talking recently about the problems he's had with his mental health. And no Man United fans give two you-know-whats. Now, I don't like that because other players have talk talked about similar issues and they've been given sympathy. And that's what's given... telling though, Rob. This is that's what's telling. I remember when yeah. he posted about that. There was there was after his house got burgled, there were people saying <laughs> there were people saying, Well, you're a footballer, why don't you have security? Like things like that. Because, no because this is the thing. I, I and think then when, fans... it, when it came to the when mm. it came to obviously his mental health, people were people, oh you get paid three, four hundred grand a week. So why does that matter to you? And so yeah. there, there's there's like I said, everything with Paul Pogba, like it, it's it's happening too much. You know, even when he plays well, or even when he, he he speaks about being a human being, because we always say that players aren't robots, right? Whenever yeah. it's with Paul Pogba, there's always a caveat, but this, but that. So that's why I always sit here, and I think that when Paul Pogba gets abused, there's an underlying tone here, and I'm, and that, that's all I'm going to say about it. But that's that's my feeling, and people can say you're playing this card or that card, but it's happened. Wait, it's too vitriolic for it to not be something more than just because what he wants to leave the football club or because his agent speaks because people say that oh well Riola chats so do other agents all we've seen yeah. leaks during the last three four months is Ronaldo wants to leave if we don't get this Ronaldo this Ronaldo that so why isn't Ronaldo getting the same treatment because all you see in the media through, he doesn't say himself but you see it through obviously reports that he will leave if United get top four he's unhappy at United but why isn't he getting it is it because he's performing is it because he's scoring goals this, this is the question why are we picking and choosing as a fan base and then turning on our own on our own players. That, that, we always that's get told I, to back the manager, back yeah. the club, to, no matter what. And they're the same people that then are attacking Paul Pogba. And that's other why players. I say, yeah, that's why I say individuals have to make their own mind up because I've known plenty of people over the years who, when we used to talk about Paul Pogba, certainly in the early stages of his Man United career coming back from Juventus, and he would get a heavy, heavy load put on his back about his performances and stuff. And some of it was justified of what he was doing, but a lot of it wasn't. And the stuff that wasn't, and when you tried to pick through the bones of it, and then you would kind of return it to the pundit or whoever and say, well, why is that something that he's being criticised for? Like, like you just said there, I think you said off air about his 
numbers and things like that. And he's playing as a number six and people expect him to have like number 10 numbers or number number nine mar- numbers or number eight numbers. Do you know what I mean? They, they want to see him make every assist and score goals and all of this. The expectations are high for Paul Pogba, but you've also got to understand why he is such a derided figure. But I'll leave it on this, is that we talk about social media a lot and I think social media, we're coming to a kind of crossroads with it where it's still the biggest thing in the world. You know, Twitter's the biggest thing in the world. People use it for what they use it for. But we think we're getting to a crossroads where people are just not going to stand for it anymore. Just getting to a point where it's boring. It's boring. All of this vitriol that comes out, because it's one of these things, you play badly, you get racially abused. You play badly, you get told you're, you're something or you the other. You miss a penalty in the final of the Euros, you get racially abused. It's, this is how it goes. So, like, this is the whole thing, like, with Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford's form is horrendous at the moment. You see how scared he is on a football pitch. He looks scared, doesn't he, when the ball goes to his feet? He looks like he's, like, paralysed. But he's gone from being godlike figure 18 months ago because he's feeding all the kids and getting an MBE and lauded to now, obviously the complete opposite scale of it. And it is because of his form. So there's this, there is a balancing act with footballers and with social media. You will follow Paul Pogba on social media. If you don't like him or it, don't follow him. It's as, bo- it's as basic as that. But we live in such a toxic environment, Haydar, and society that people want the toxicity. They feed off it, you know. So I think Paul Pogba is is a construct for that negativity. And I think for that reason, it's probably best that he leaves, best for us as Man United and best for him. He will be successful wherever he goes. He's a top player. I'm glad we signed him. I'm really sad that we didn't put the team around his talents to be able to build something that was worthy of, say, a Manchester City or a Liverpool, because that's what those two those teams did. They got their best players, they built round them, and they did it the right way. Our lot, you know what I mean? Our, 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 our ownership and what the Glazers did, absolute horrible. If I'm Paul Pogba, I'm thinking now, nah, I'm done with this. And that last boo, you know, walking off the pitch in the cup of the year, good luck to you, mate. You know, you're a great footballer. You're going to come out of it with plenty of trophies and plenty of money. Um, he won't remember that boo in years to come. No, of course not. And you know, comment here. How good would you look at City? He would look. He would look like the best player in the league. And what I will, what I will add, last point, Rob. We'll just we'll finish on Ten Hag. Yeah, uh, we'll do a little short little, you know, five ten minutes on Ten Hag. But um, you know, what I will actually say as well is that uh, there's more vitriol and abuse and hate towards Paul Pogba than it is towards the Glazers, who have systematically yeah. ripped this club apart for the last 15, 16, 17 years. Uh, you know, but they, you know, they gave, they gave, uh, they just disc- gave discounted beers in Old Trafford, so that's okay. But you know, so so that's fine. That 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 will keep the fans quiet. But when it comes to Paul Pogba, you know, I've I've never seen a player get that much hate from his own fans and. No, I hope he goes and enjoys his football and he's happy and that's important. And he looks after his mental health. That's really important because it mustn't be nice, you know, consistently being in the media all the time and having, uh, you know, and having the media rip into you, your own fan base rip into you. And, and he put uh, in a shift yesterday. Like that has yeah. got to be the bit we hold on to. He put in, it doesn't matter if he's going or coming or signing contracts, not signing contracts. He was on that pitch against Orishay. He put in a shift. You can't say that about all of the boys on the foot, on that on our football pitch week after week after week. So I, I get there might be accumulation for some Man United fans, but I think you also need to revise about why you like players and why you don't. Absolutely. Anyway, guys, we're going to finish on Eric Ten Hag. So, Rob, we'll talk quickly about the latest news with Eric Ten Hag, uh, seemingly mm-hmm. on his way. Obviously, uh, you know, he's still contracted at Ajax. I'm actually really liking the way he's handling all these questions with the press. Mm-hmm. I think he's handling the media very, very well. 
Um, and what I like is that, you know, he's he's obviously a very focused person. He, he wants to win. And I, I like that a lot. Um, but look, when you have a look at what we saw yesterday and we saw the quality or maybe lack of quality on show, you know, he's got a massive job on his hands. So, you know, let's sort of talk about what he can do in, in the short term, you know, when he does get into the job and what he needs to do to try and elevate this team. Because I think next season, I don't really have many expectations. I think United need to get top four. I'd like to see a cup run. But I'm very, very, um, I'm very much of the view that if United obviously do bring him in, it's a complete different shift in styles and principles. And there are going to be some bad results. And there might be a prolonged game of three or four games where United don't win. And, and that's where we have to have patience. We do need patience. And and really, my, my expectations are a little bit lower than yours, Hayda. I just want us to be able to pass a ball and be in formation and do some work. So just the real basics, like training ground basics. So I think that for Ten Hag, it's always about when a manager comes in, he needs to sell the project to the players. Yeah. And he has, and the players have to get on board. Now that does happen generally. Like it's very rare that it goes the other way. You're saying the latest news on him. He, he, his big kind of proviso in these negotiations has always been about control and power. So he is going to be given the power that he wants. That's been, we've, we've had that confirmed from not just our sources, but from more kind of senior uh, people around our football club. So we feel confident about that. Um, and I don't like saying done deal and all of that stuff, because I think that's, again, deals can collapse at the, at the 11th hour, but I don't think this one will. Because I think Ten Hag knows that this is a really good step up for him to go to a football club. And he's made those demands. He hasn't gone in the door and made them. Like he hasn't taken the job and on day one gone, right, I want this. He's gone, I want this written in stone now because when I arrive on day one, this is how I work. So that, again, gives me confidence, Haydar. I look at the mess of this football team and, like we just said, the issues around Paul Pogba and individuals and fullbacks and Cristiano and all of these things. And I think we'll have a coach who can at least try and fix it. Will he be successful? It'd be ridiculous for me to say yes or no. We'd be ridiculous at this stage. We need to see a little bit more, don't we? We need to see him come to the football club. But lots of problems to solve. I think the good thing about Ten Hag is that he's no shrinking violet. So he'll come in and he'll say, this is my football club now. And if you don't like it, if you're not coming on the Ten Hag journey, out you go. And I think he'll say it to the fans as well. I think he'll be pretty straight to the fans and say, we're here to win. I'm here to win come on the journey with us. You know, you might not always like the football. You might sometimes think that, you know, it's a bit slower or it's not what you want or it's not always blood blood and thunder, you know, like people thought Ole might be in the first 20 games of his reign, you know, just kind of like pouring forward. It might be more controlled, but this is what I'm going to do. I want to make Man United winners. And we all got to back him. So unfortunately, Hader, you and me know, we just talked about social media, what it'd be like in Ten Hag loses a game. It will be the Poch in crowd, the Ollie in crowd. It will be the people we should have slept with Ranjit crowd, like myself or whoever. Do you know what I mean? It will be like that. And we have to ignore it. You have to ignore it. I think we've just got to that point with social media where we, we, we realise that social media doesn't really affect a lot of the things we think it affects. But it is still there. It's still present. And there's no doubt that the football club itself is very aware of social media. This is why Ten Hag is getting the job. You know, they have looked at that. They've looked at the popularity contest. But I look forward to it. I really look forward to Ten Hag coming in. I'm already thinking next year. I know we've got yeah, yeah, top yeah, four race done. here. But I, I, I feel comfortable in that, that, in that, that nothing really gets sold to you. A new manager comes in now. I, I, 
I'd like to thank Ralph Ranick for what he's done. I think he's taken on a load of bad eggs that stink the place out and he's had to try and make the best of it. And here we are, three points off top four somehow. So uh, uh, he's not going to get remembered well, I don't think, Ralph, overall from the fan base because of maybe a lack of success. But at the same time... I loved his honesty, Rob. Yeah, and you know, he's even honest yesterday, wasn't he? You know, yeah. He said one thing we'll, we'll close the show on. He said, I think we are the only team in the Premier League that concedes goals like this. And he was right, because those goals are not... like A professional football team does not concede those goals because you have pride and you have endeavour and you work hard to stop that stuff happening because you're embarrassed. This lot don't get that. They're not embarrassed easily. They moan a lot and they lots of gestures and ah, shouting and screaming, but they don't really do the full work. So this is what Ten Hag's going to have to deal with. And I think we'll see several leave. I think we'll probably get three or four in this summer. I don't think you'll get huge numbers, but it's important that you go and maybe say, if you've got a Declan Rice, if you went and got Nunes, that's a start, isn't it? Go and get Pau Torres. That's three. That's three big pieces. And and then you lose the pieces that are not helping you, as I always say every week. You know, Jesse Lingard's gone. You're going to, you know, Matic is gone. I'm quite happy about that. Not that I don't like Matic. It's just a case that I don't think helps you. And you've got to go and then get rid of more players that don't help you. Does Donny van der Beek come back and help you? I don't know. But we have to see how those things pan out under a new coach. Absolutely. Look, guys, thank you so much for all the interactions today. Great debate. Make sure you hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on, on at Hader underscore Robani. Give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. We've got the big one, haven't we, Rob, against Liverpool? We'll be... We'll be obviously watching that hopefully may night do not get destroyed and we will see you all next time this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network